Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well today, and welcome to the yet-to-be-named podcast. That might end up being the actual name, I, I don't know, I'll think of something eventually, or I'll just keep it the way it is. This time we're going to be talking about the Sega Genesis launch titles. There were six titles that were launched with the Sega Genesis in 1989. They were Altered Beast, Space Harrier 2, Thunder Force 2, Super Thunderblade, Tommy Lasorda Baseball, which... I hate that game, I'm sorry. If you're a fan of that game, uh, I apologize, I just absolutely hate it. And, of course, there was uh, Last Battle. Which I don't like either, but I like it more than Tommy Lasorda Baseball. This game showed off what the Sega Genesis could do. It was a 16-bit system, so it could do a lot more than the Nintendo Entertainment System or the NES. It was pretty good for what it was. It showed some large, detailed sprites, and it allowed Sega to basically port over a lot of their System 16 arcade games. There were a bunch of different versions of the System 16 arcade board, so I'm not going to call out the specific boards that each of the arcade ports used. Not all of these were arcade ports, at least in the first launch titles. Some of them are a little bit different. They kind of are original games, but yeah, not about as original as you can get for the time. I'm going to try to keep these games sort of with a modern perspective. Uh, that's going to affect this a little bit, because when you look at these games like that, you're going to see that they're kind of repetitive, and they don't quite hold up as well as some other games that were released. Also, when you put them in context with the other games that were on, say, the NES or on the TurboGrafx-16, they're not necessarily as good. I think they're comparable to the TurboGrafx, which also launched, launched around this time, but when you compare it to the NES, that library was so much larger and had a much wider variety of games at the time, that these six titles don't really stack up as well. While I said they do represent a, a good, uh, they do represent like a very good, a very good um, example of what the Genesis could do. Sorry about that. Um, I get a little bit tongue-tied whenever I, I start talking about this. Hopefully, I'll get better as these podcasts go on. Uh, but we'll see. So these launch titles did do a good job of showing off what the Genesis could do. And with the pack-in game being Altered Beast, you could see that Sega was kind of positioning itself as, we're more of the mature console. We're not doing kiddie games. Our games are going to be a bit more violent. They're going to have like more details with them. There's going to be a little bit of blood and guts in these. Which makes it weird when you compare Altered Beast to, say, Last Battle, and you kind of see how the U.S. version of Last Battle got a little bit butchered. So let's start off with Altered Beast. This was originally released in 1988, and it was a rather popular arcade game outside of Japan. I'm not really sure why it wasn't as popular in Japan as it was overseas. Uh, I... I wasn't able to really find why, I just found a little a little bit saying that it was more popular outside of Japan. So I guess it works as being the launch title, or at least the pack-in game for the U.S. market, 
it's it's very weird. I would also find stuff later on where Sega was worried that Altered Beast kind of kind of made people think of more like religious tones or like some satanic imagery and whatnot. I'm not really seeing what they were what what they were bringing up with uh, that. I think it's just that Sonic the Hedgehog was a better game, so it was going to replace Altered Beast, especially since Altered Beast is it's kind of boring for <laughs> for a, a game like this. It's fun for what it is being an arcade port, but when you kind of stack it up against other launch titles, especially when it you're comparing it to Mario, which unfortunately it's going to get compared to that when it's a pack-in game. It's just not as much fun as Super Mario Brothers was, and it's definitely not as much fun as what uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was. Let's talk a little bit more about what you're actually doing in Altered Beast. You play as a Roman centurion who is basically brought back to life by Zeus, who's a Greek god. I don't know why they mixed both Greek with Roman centurion, but whatever. I thought that they probably would have gone with, like, a Spartan or someone else from one of the different city-states of Greece. They didn't because, you know, I guess they figured nobody would really care. And to be perfectly honest, most kids that age probably wouldn't have given a crap. Especially with it being an arcade port, I don't think anybody ever really cared about the story in arcade games. Unless it was something like Mortal Kombat, which has a really fun story and it makes you feel like you're playing and like an 80s action movie or something like that. Uh, that That's a story for a different time, though. So, back with Altered Beast, you play as this Roman centurion. You are on a, you're on a mission from Zeus to go and save another Greek god from some evil wizard. I might be a little bit off on some of the specifics, but that's basically what you're trying to do. This is a two-dimensional beat-em-up, so you're, unfortunately, you're not able to move, at least in three dimensions, which would make this a much better game. You're locked in just moving left and right, and occasionally you get to jump and whatnot. I don't really... This is where the game kind of falls apart for me, and this is actually something I think Last Battle has over Altered Beast. This game doesn't really work as well for a beat-em-up. It feels like a very early one. Even Double Dragon has set up better, and that was released before this. I don't know, it just, this one just feels weird to me. You're basically just moving either left or right, you're punching, kicking, and you're collecting power-ups, which are bizarrely contained within blue cows. I, I don't know, this is, this thing gets really weird. Even as I'm describing it for a video game, it gets very bizarre. When I compare this with other games at the time, it just doesn't really hold up. I honestly don't think that Altered Beast should have been the pack-in title. I honestly think that should have gone to probably Space Harrier 2. In all honesty, none of the launch titles really would have worked out as well especially when you compare them to the other games that were released around this time. I think NEC had the right idea when they wanted to include like a platformer, but theirs is just as bad. It's 
weird when you think about it and you see what was popular at the time and you think, you know, Altered Beast doesn't really match up with that. I get that Sega wanted to use some of their arcade games because it was just easier. They have kind of a built-in audience. But with Altered Beast, it's just not as much fun. If they wanted to go with the beat-em-up route, I don't think this game was out at the time, but I think Golden Axe would have been better. Then when you... So let's look at the Golden Axe port just really quick. This won't take too long. The Golden Axe port added more to it. So when it was brought over from the arcades, they added some levels to it, and they added some some, uh, features to it. This is similar to what was done with Double Dragon when it was brought over. They added some stuff to it, so you didn't just have a short arcade experience. You actually could do a little bit more. You could do some one-on-one fighting in both Golden Axe and in Double Dragon at the very end. And also, once you've beaten the game, you can kind of go back. And it gave you a little bit more to do. And with Golden Axe, they added levels onto this. But with Altered Beast, they didn't do that. So you just have the same five levels. You go through that. Or in my case, you get to the third level, you get angry, and then you just move on to something else. But it wasn't a very long experience. It was only about, you know, 10 to 20 minutes long, and then you're done. And it kind of didn't really didn't really uh, lend itself to a lot of replay value, at least in my opinion. Let's move on to Space Harrier 2. And I want to talk a little bit about the whole series while we're here. So let's, let's just start off with the first Space Harrier. Uh, This was a third-person rail shooter, which is what the entire series is basically going to be. And the first game was released in the arcades in 1985, and then in 1988, and later in 89 for the U.S. release, we got Space Harrier 2. There wasn't an arcade release of Space Harrier 2 that I could find, so this is basically just a version of the first game, which they kind of expanded on and brought over to the home console. I like to call this game the a game of lies, because you're not in space and you're not playing as an actual Harrier. You're a dude in a red jumpsuit with some sort of like intergalactic vacuum cleaner that shoots stuff at enemies. It's kind of fun when you sit down and you play through it. Uh, this one works really well. I'll talk about another one later on that also kind of does this. It's another sort of third-person rail shooter that doesn't work out very well. But with Space Harrier 2, you have a perspective of being behind your character, you can move your character all around the screen, and you're just dodging projectiles and avoiding obstacles. So this kind of fakes a 3D environment, which looks really cool. You have a scrolling ground, and then you have all of your objects and your enemies sort of scroll into the screen, so they get bigger as they come closer to you just like the projectiles do. And they don't move too fast, so you can, well, normally if your reflexes are good and they're not, you know, shot to hell like mine are, you can do a pretty good job of avoiding all of this stuff. I really like the way that they did the entire thing. It just feels really nice to play this, and there's a lot of other fun stuff to it that makes me think this should have been the pack-in title instead of Altered Beast. 
One other fun thing about this is you don't need to beat every level in order to experience the entire game. Just like Mega Man, you can kind of pick and choose what level you want to start off with. It's a lot of fun, and it's really kind of refreshing to play something like this. So if you're bad at it, like me, you don't need to keep struggling through this with trial and error. You can just kind of jump to a different level. So you can start off in what I think is the first level, kind of this forest zone, or you can go to the level where you're fighting a bunch of giant robots. It doesn't really matter what you want to do. I mean, it doesn't really matter which one you start off with. You play through all of them, but it kind of changes up the order depending on what you want to start with. This is another visually impressive game. I've already mentioned some of the scrolling stuff that goes along with it, but it is bright and it's colorful. The enemies are very well, are very detailed, and they're sometimes just absolutely bizarre. Like when you fight a giant dragon or you fight this weird turtle thing with three heads that makes absolutely no sense to me. It does kind of remind me of, oh gosh, uh, it's not Godzilla, but it's the other one. I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm, I'm sure somebody, if they listen to this, they'll correct me in the comments. But it feels a little bit like you're fighting a Godzilla enemy. It's not Godzilla, I just cannot think of it right now. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Space Harrier 2 is just a lot of fun to play. And, you know, I've probably mentioned this way too many times for you, but I really feel like this should have been the pack-in. Either this or probably like Thunder Force 2 should have been. Speaking of Thunder Force 2, that is the next game that we're going to be talking about. So the entire Thunder Force series got its start in 1983 with obviously the first game that was released on a bunch of computers in Japan. It did make its way to other computers, but it was mostly it was mostly just a computer game, which makes it a little bit different. And the, the reason why is it wasn't made by Sega, it was made by Technosoft. They were around for a while, from about the early 80s all the way up until 2001 or 2002. That's when they ended up getting bought out. They, now their assets are owned by Sega, so they still exist in some form, but they just aren't making games anymore. They're most known for the Thunder Force series and also for the two Hertzog games. The Hertzog games are pretty fun in their own right, and they're also kind of unique. They're sort of like a, a beginning step for a uh, real-time strategy game. They've got a lot of unique stuff to them, and they also incorporated some stuff from uh, Thunder Force as well. Technosoft made other games, but... Those are really the only two notable series that I can think of off the top of my head from just the library games that they put out. So anyway, back to Thunder, back to Thunder Force. Uh, the, the first two were free-roaming shooters, so you're looking at them from a top-down perspective, and you can kind of fly your ship around anywhere as long as there aren't obstacles in the way. You're flying around, you're picking up a bunch of different power-ups, which translate to the different guns that you're using, and it's just a lot of fun to play that way. The series would change a little bit, they would move into more of like a traditional side-scrolling shooter, but these first two games kind of stand out, well, especially the second one. The first one 
doesn't do any side-scrolling shooting, but the second one does incorporate some levels of that. The second game was a launch title for the Sega Genesis, and it's a lot of fun. I think like this one could have also been one of the pack-in games, or the pack-in game for Sega, but I don't think that they could have done that just because it wasn't... It wasn't from a company that they owned. It was just from one of the few companies that could work with them at the time. There is a story in Thunder Force 2. I'm not really sure why. It's kind of like if there was more of a story for Space Harrier. I'm not really sure what that one was, but yeah. There is a story for Thunder Force, and it's kind of... It's kind of stupid, but... It's exactly what you would expect for the time. There's an evil empire that's created a new battleship in order to take over the universe, because of course that's what they're going to do with it, you know, why not? And you play as apparently the only ship in the good guy battle fleet, or whatever the hell it's going to be called this time. They apparently are really short of, like, short-staffed, and you are the only person who can do you know, whatever they need you to do. So they send you off on your own, and you do your best to try to destroy all of the bases and eventually destroy the enemy battleship. I don't know why, but I always felt like... Well, I feel like it now, but back then I, I didn't even question this. Now I always wonder, why are you the only one doing this? Why isn't anyone else trying to help you? Why, like, why are there no other spaceships out there? Why can't anyone else in the universe send anyone to, you know, assist you in any way? It's just gotta be you. I don't know why, but it just now it feels kind of stupid whenever I think about something like this. For those three games, uh, Altered Beast, Space Harrier 2, and Thunder Force 2, those are the games that I like from the launch lineup. I don't necessarily like Altered Beast as much as the other two, but... I like those three more than the next three games. And that's not that's not any fault of Last Battle. It's just that one annoys me more than I than anything else. Mostly because I just it's not a bad game, but it's just the way they butchered the story in Last Battle. I I don't know. I'll get into that one in just a little bit. Uh but right now we're we're going to move into Thunderblade and Super Thunderblade. So Thunderblade was released in the arcades in 1987 by Sega. And when you look at the arcade cabinet, it's basically like a helicopter and you kind of sit down in it, you have a joystick in front of you and that's what you use to move around the screen. It's basically like playing a flight simulator or some other game where you're controlling a like a plane. You're you have the controls that kind of match with what you're doing in the plane, so it makes more sense. Then you go to Super Thunderblade, where they try to take that and turn it into a directional pad and a couple of buttons, and I just really, really hate this game. This is by far the worst game out of the six launch titles. And that's even me saying that, knowing that I don't like baseball games at all. And I honestly don't like baseball that much either. I still would be happier with Tommy Lasorda Baseball than with Super Thunderblade. I 
think the control scheme in Super Thunderblade is what really kills kills it for me. I'm not sure what makes this game super. I, I really don't. It's I think it's just the name that they threw on there, but they could have just called it Thunderblade. They had released a game called Thunderblade, or at least ported Thunderblade over to the Master System, so maybe they wanted to make it sound like this was a sequel or an enhanced version for the 16-bit system. I'm I'm not really sure about that. I suppose I should back up a little bit. Uh, Sega had released a console before the Sega Genesis called the Master System. The Master System was their 8-bit console, so that was basically like their Nintendo Entertainment System. That was pretty much a failure for the most part, at least in the United States. It did well like overseas, so I guess like the international market outside of really Japan and the U.S., and even saying that, it sounds kind of stupid. It was very popular in Brazil, and it was somewhat popular in Europe. It just wasn't enough to really carry Sega and make them think, you know, this is what we should keep doing. The sales in the sales in the U.S. and the sales in Japan just kind of sucked for it, and they gave up on it. Like, once we moved into the 90s, they kind of stopped supporting it and they threw all their attention to the Sega Genesis. So, yeah, that, that's kind of some background on the Master System. I'm sorry that I, I brought that one up. I, I figured I should probably explain it for a little bit. So, Super Thunderblade kind of marketed itself as being an enhanced version, or at least that's the way Sega marketed it. I just, I absolutely hate it. It looks and kind of plays a little bit like Space Harrier 2, if you know you broke your if you broke both your hands before you started playing the game, that's kind of how it would play. I I don't know. There's just it looks like something I should enjoy because you're just a helicopter flying around blowing up tanks, other helicopters, and then some big boss battles. I just can't get into this game. I don't know what it is. It's just it just feels off, I guess is the best way I can say. The, the projectiles feel like they're moving too quickly at you. I generally don't really know... I don't really know if I'm shooting, like if I'm hitting what I'm aiming at. It feels like I can just press the fire button and hope that I hit something. It just feels so wrong when you play this game, or at least when I was playing it. I just... Yeah, I, I really hate the controls. I hate the way the game plays. I, I just hate everything about Super Thunderblade. So let's shift gears here, and, and we'll talk about a game that I, I don't, I don't hate everything about. I don't like it that much, but I don't hate everything about it, and that's Last Battle. So Last Battle is a version of Fist of the North Star, and Fist of the North Star is an extremely violent anime where. You punch, or not really you, but the main character, Kenshiro, can punch somebody and have their head explode. And he can just basically do everything as this just ultimate martial artist as he wanders through a post-apocalyptic world that's been destroyed by radiation. It's a really fun anime, and it's the manga is pretty good as well. And some of the games, especially the more modern ones, are very good. This game is 
not not that great. It's honestly a better beat em up than Altered Beast, if but the, it has some stuff that I don't like in it. It's oh gosh. First of all, it the story has kind of been like tossed into a blender and then they sort of toss everything out and they just sort of hope that it worked. So they cut out basically everything that would make you think this is a Fist of the North Star game, most likely because people probably didn't know what that was in the North American market, or at least the majority of people wouldn't have known what it was in the North American market. So your character isn't called Kenshiro anymore, he's called Arzik, and the back of the box goes out of its way to explain to you how you're supposed to pronounce it. Which I honestly find a bit refreshing, because I never knew how to pronounce any of the titles or any of the character names in a lot of these games. Unless it was something simple, like, you know, this guy's name is Joe, or this guy's name is Mario. And even that can get a little weird, because you'll have some people that pronounce it Mario, which is also technically correct, but, you know, it apparently annoys some people. Anyway, back to back to Last Battle. So... The character's name got butchered. Uh, the storyline is kind of all over the place. You basically have to go and defeat a big bad guy. And along the way, your own character meets a bunch of other people who have dialogue boxes that make me think everyone in this world has like severe brain damage. Most likely from the radiation, which I guess would crack, but... They don't do a good job of explaining that. None of the dialogue makes any goddamn sense in this. And it's if it was just spelled wrong, that would be one thing. But it like somebody will say a line, and then your character will say something that also is just like incomprehensible. It's like they're speaking an entirely different language that nobody else can understand except for the characters in this game. You'll also run into characters who you don't know, and you have no idea why they're there or who they are. I stumbled across one group of people, at least I think it's a group of people, it could be something totally different, but they were encased in a block of cement, and the only thing you could see were their heads. They didn't seem distressed in any way. My character didn't seem to care that they were just heads and their bodies were encased in a block of cement, he just seemed kind of ambivalent towards it. And I'm pretty sure if I went back and redid that level, those two would still be there, my main character still wouldn't give a shit, and it would just sort of be a thing that happened. And that's really the only thing that I don't like about it, is just the fact that it tries to set itself up to be kind of a story-driven game, but the story makes no sense, and you're not really given a whole lot of direction as to what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be going in the game. The stuff I do like about it is that it does the side-scrolling beat-em-up stuff much better than Altered Beast. I just feel like I have more control in that game than I do in Altered Beast. And, you know, you can you can kind of move around to a bunch of different environments. The stages are really short, but they're kind of, you know, they're kind of fun, as opposed to what Altered Beasts were, where it's just the same five environments. This one, you have a bunch of different stuff that's going on, 
and you can kind of feel like you're progressing because you know the the enemies will like they'll just be palette swaps so it, that at least tells me in a retro game that you know you you've advanced a little bit you've moved on to a different level and that's something that you don't really get with altered beast you just get a shift in you know what you're fighting most of the time except for the cows the cows have to be there otherwise you know the game just won't make sense in the other way thing I like about Last Battle is that you can kind of move around the map in any way that you want, and you can go back and revisit different parts, which actually works into like what the game's progression system is. As you fight and you defeat more enemies, you actually kind of gain pseudo-experience points, which is pretty fun. You know, you can, you can uh, basically advance and become more powerful as the game goes on. That's something that's really kind of cool, but what's not kind of cool is you have no continues, so you're just on one life, and if you lose that life, you have to start all over again. That can be kind of annoying, but other than that, and all of the other stuff that I, I think is stupid about this game, of the three that I don't like, this is probably my favorite, and that's really only because Super Thunderblade is just a miserable experience. And the last one is baseball. And I don't really care or like that much about it, as I've, I've already mentioned. I'm not really going to go super in-depth into the Tommy Lasorda baseball. It's just an early baseball simulator. It did show you a little bit of what... Uh, Sega was going to do with its marketing in North America as it's a licensed game, and they would do that with a few others. So you have Tommy Lasorda, uh, he is basically endorsing this game. You would have Joe Montana endorse their football game, and then you would have Pat Riley endorsing their basketball game. And of those three, the only one that really had any staying power was uh, Joe Montana's football which turned into kind of a little mini-series. There are four games. They were, they were fine. The first one is basically a clone of Madden, and the other three try to be, um, try to be tech mobile, but kind of fail a little bit on those because they still try to keep the realism instead of going for more of an arcade outlook on the game. So those were the six launch titles for the Sega Genesis. They did a decent job of showing what the system could do, but overall, there just wasn't like a Mario killer in the lineup. It was just a bunch of graphically impressive games that didn't really kind of hold people's attention as long as they probably could. Now, the Sega Genesis library is going to get a lot better as you move into like the rest of 1989 and then you move into 1990. But these first six, those are kind of the first impression of the system, and they just, they looked great, but they didn't really add a whole lot to it as far as gameplay. When you look back at these six, you can kind of think, you know, they had a pretty terrible launch lineup for the Sega Genesis, and you wouldn't technically be wrong in saying that, it just wouldn't be as correct as if you kind of put the games into context. At the time, you know, in the late 80s, these games were pretty good. You know, the hard thing for me was, like, trying to balance the two perspectives when I was going over these, because you have some games that are very good arcade games, but they just didn't translate too well to the home console, 
and there just wasn't enough added on to them. It could have been a lot better than what it was. And, you know, if they had picked different games or if they had waited a little longer, they could have had some better launch titles and they could have had a better pack-in game. At least in my opinion, they, they really should have chosen a better game than Ultra Beast. These games definitely weren't the reason why Sega wasn't as successful as they thought they would be in the U.S. There are a bunch of other reasons that I can go into in a, a different episode. I just wanted to go over these first couple of games and, you know, kind of get this first episode out the door and, and see how, it, how everything kind of shook out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I would really love to hear back from you guys. You can either uh, reach out to me on Twitter uh, my handle is at Pixels and Magic. You can also find me on YouTube under the name Paul Workama. And yeah, you can also go to my website, paulworkama.com. There's not really a whole lot else I have to say about this. Uh, I just hope you guys all have a great day and see you all next time.